Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Coming up on today's podcast. If you look at every picture of Mary, she's actually presenting Jesus. Mary is always like showing the child to the world. If you have something powerful, you have something important, your whole role is to give it away. Hello, friend. We are so glad to have you back again for another episode of the Spirit-Filled Media Podcast with hosts Deacon Steve Greco of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. Today's segment is one that carries great meaning and passion to Deacon because it's all about our Blessed Mother. And joining us today is an anointed priest who's had the distinction and honor of praying the rosary with literally thousands of people at a time over the radio airwaves. And boy, does he have stories to share. Here's Deacon Steve to get us started. I have next to me a truly anointed priest, a very, very wonderful man, uh, Father Dave Heaney. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you. Can I just say welcome back to the show? We were blessed to have you on the show before. And I'm sure that most of you are familiar with him because he is a co-host on Relevant Radio on the Family Rosary Across America. And he's also pastor at St. Bruno Church, Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And wow, you're busy. That's amazing. Uh, It's a good thing I like what I do. (laughs) It's a good thing you like what you do. Tell us about yourself before we get started. The title of the show is Mary and the Rosary. But tell us about growing up and and becoming a priest and and just and how the Blessed Mother figured in all of that. I was born in New Jersey. Oh, whereabouts? I normally don't admit that, but I was born in New Jersey, just just outside of Newark. I used to live in Princeton, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then when I was nine years old, uh, my family moved to Ventura County, to the town of Thousand Oaks. Okay. And uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, how did you come to Thousand Oaks? How did you leave New Jersey and come to California? <laughs> and uh, I'll say very simply, my folks said, get in the car. Exactly. And exactly. so we came, I was nine years old when I came to Thousand Oaks. It was a beautiful country village. Uh, nice. Small town. Yeah. It was kind of a Huckleberry Finn childhood. And I remember very Tellingly, you know, during the week, those were the days when when school was out. Basically, your folks said, go out and go out and play. Right. And so my brother and I and our friends would drive around or, you know, ride our bikes around. And there came that moment when I on a Sunday when I said I didn't want to go to mass. I was a young kid and my parents said something very wise to me. They said, you've had all week to yourself. This is one hour that you give back to God. Amen. Well, that had a big impact on me because I began to recognize Mass as a place where I gave something. It wasn't, you know, it didn't matter whether the music was good or the sermon was good. I wish they were, but if, even if they weren't, I still had myself to offer with Jesus to our Father in Heaven at Mass. As an offering, whether it be convenient or inconvenient, whether you wanted to or not. I think that was the beginning of my vocation. Wow. And... Um, you know, one thing led to another, and I went to the seminary, and I was in with a great class of people, many of them here in the Orange Diocese, and was ordained in 1978. So I'm 41, I'm in my 41st year 
Oh, congratulations. Praise the Lord. That is fantastic. I have enjoyed every single assignment I've had. And amazingly, in, 19, in 2002, I returned to Thousand Oaks as the pastor of my hometown. Oh, what church was that? St. Pascal Balaam. Oh, interesting. But you, now you're in Whittier. Now I'm at St. Bruno in Whittier for about three and a half years. That is fantastic. Great place. How did you get involved in radio? You know, it's simple. Uh, one of my closest friends was a guy named Joe Sikora. He's a marriage and family child counselor. And he was on the radio when it was the Immaculate Heart Radio Network back in a number of years ago. And uh, I would, he would occasionally ask me to join him, and I would be on the phone with him, and we would talk about different psychological issues, because we have the same degree. We both have a marriage and family therapy degree. He from Antioch and me from the University of Southern California. Okay. Go Trojans. So I was familiar with the radio, and then uh, Archbishop Gomez called me, and he just said, you know, he has kind of a short speaking style, and he just said... <laughs> Do this? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He, he, his literally sentence was... I want you on the radio. Wow. I, I want you on the radio. You have a great voice for the so radio. So I connected with the radio and we talked about things. And then I suggested that I get on with my friend, Joe Sikora, mm. since we'd already been working together. We did that for a year and a half. And then Father Rocky, the president of uh, Relevant Radio, came up with a brand new idea, brilliant idea, to have a radio rosary live. I think the things that were really unique about it was that it was live. It would be two people responding to each other. And people could call in from anywhere in the country with their intentions. So in between the decades, people would call in and say, you know, I'd like to pray for my wife who is sick, my husband who is this, my child or that. And then we listen to those intentions and then we include them as our prayer intention for the next decade. So it's called the Family Rosary Across America. And it's live and you can call in with your intentions. And that was the genius of Father Rocky to have that. He wanted to have it at that five o'clock time here in L.A. especially so that when people are commuting to go back home from work, it would be kind of a retreat that they could have in the car before they, uh, you know, from kind of the busyness, busyness of work and the challenges of home, they would have this uh, quiet, prayerful, spiritual time in the car praying the rosary. So many people don't understand the power of the rosary, the value of the rosary. My brothers and sisters, we are so blessed to have Father Dave Heaney on, who is the co-host of the relevant radio show, Family Rosary Across America. The power of the rosary changes lives. It brings us closer to Jesus. The power of the rosary, I believe, is involved in healing, healing of families, healing of marriages, getting us close to Jesus. The Blessed Mother is allowing this prayer to really transform us. Your thoughts on that? I hear that actually in the in the callers who call in. I can actually hear the emotion in their voice as they call in. They suddenly recognize that they are now part of a large community across America as they're giving their intention. They pray their intention so earnestly. You know, I would like everyone to pray for my friend, my parent, my child who, who has this. And they, they really truly believe that have that sense that this prayer is going to be powerful because our favorite caller is the caller who calls in and says, I called in two weeks ago for this intention, and I'm just calling in to let you know that it happened, and I'm calling in in Thanksgiving. A praise report, which which happens so frequently, my brothers and sisters, is that God is there to bless us. Tell us about your relationship with the Blessed Mother, you know, because I grew up and my grandmother prayed the rosary, 
My mother didn't. My father didn't. And I never prayed the rosary until my kids were teenagers. I went to church one day during the week and there, nobody was in the in the church. And I was just praying. And the Lord said, pray a decade of the rosary every single day for every member of your family. It was only over 30 years ago. I pray now three rosaries a day. But before then, I had no relationship with the Blessed Mother. Tell us about your relationship with the Blessed Mother. It's more, I wouldn't say it's very devotional, it's very biblical. Uh, But actually, it began with a statement from one of my professors in the seminary, you know, 45 years ago. And he talked about art, uh, artistic representations of Mary, especially with Mary and, and the baby Jesus. And he compared the way a mother normally carries a baby which is usually cradled in their arms and in such a way that the baby is gazing at the mother's face, kind of holding it close. He says, if you look at every picture of Mary, she's actually presenting Jesus. That is you know, fantastic. We're, not, we're on the radio here, so I can't show you a picture, but, Jesus, but Mary is always like showing the child to the world. And really, that's the beautiful kind of image that Mary has, is she's the one who presents. She was the Theotokos. She was the mother of God, the, the, the Christ-bearer. And she uh, presents. So I've always remembered that. And I and every time I see these images of Mary and, and the child Jesus, it's always in that way. So I've always been kind of grateful for that sense of Mary as the one who is giving this person to the to the world. You have something powerful. You have something important. If you have something powerful, you have something important. Your whole role is to give it away. It's interesting because in my living room, I have this famous 19th century French picture of Mary surrounded by angels mm-hmm. holding the baby Jesus. Just like, that. Yeah. just like that. Exactly what you just said. It never really occurred to me that she was actually presenting Jesus to us. Jesus with a big smile on his face. But bottom line is this, my brothers and sisters, is that the Blessed Mother, as St. Louis de Montfort said, is the fastest way to sainthood. It gets us close to Jesus. As she says to us in the second chapter of John at Cana, you know, listen to him, right? Listen to him. And I think it's really powerful when you, when you combine the last statement that she makes in the scriptures with her first statement. There is a scriptural uh, theme that says the first time someone speaks and the last time someone speaks Interesting. Is, is kind of a summary of their life. So the first time that, G- that Mary speaks... Do you remember what it is? It's when the angel Gabriel comes and says, guess what? After centuries of waiting, it's all going to be on you. You are going to be the mother of God. And Mary, her first statement is a question. How can this be? How can this be? Now that's I got it right. I got one right. Okay. (laughs) A star. (laughs) Um, That that had a big impact on me because my dad was a scientist. So I grew up with science. I grew up with questions. You know, why does this happen? Why does this happen? How has this come about? And so when I realized that Mary's first entrance onto the scene is asking a question, she is giving honor to anyone who's ever had a question about anything. And so her first statement is a question, and her last statement is at the wedding feast of Canaan, like you said, do whatever he tells you. So if you wake up in the morning and you say, how can this be? What am I going to do today? How am I going to get through this day? You want to end the day by quoting Mary again, by saying, I did whatever Jesus told me. I followed him. So again, you know, the first time that Mary speaks, the last time, point oh, powerful. to uh, Powerful. The other th- uh, there's so many things that are powerful in the Magnificat, but one of the, the most important uh, verses for me is when the Blessed Mother says, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. 
Tell us about a handmaid. A handmaid was this indentured servant that was always close to that master of the house, correct? Well, look at all these phrases that she says in the Magnificat. I mean, this is the person who is steeped in Jewish history and faith and scriptures and the Torah and, and all that. So this is a person who understood her, her Jewish history very well. And then how many people have an angel show up at their house? <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> and, how many, and then how many people have an angel to say, guess what, this event that the Jewish people have been waiting for for centuries is all going to be on you. You are going to be the mother of the Savior. And what is Mary's entire response? I am a servant. I'm a handmaid. I'm lowly. It never goes to her head. And she says yes. And we, we have a saying, thank you for your yes. Yeah. Thank you for your yes, Father. What a lot of people don't realize is Mary could have said no. She could have said no. I and, fact, you know, no one ever talks about it. She could have said no. I always imagine the scene with, with the angel Gabriel again, you know, saying, <laughs> Mary says, how can this be? And then Gabriel turns back to God and says, what do I do now? She's asking the question. <laughs> and then God says, answer it, because we can't go forward until she says yes. Thank you for your yes, Blessed Mother, and thank you for your yes, all of you listeners. We want to get into the origin of the rosary. It is fascinating to me why the rosary, the origin of it during medieval times and so forth. So tell us about it. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's a charming story, I think. I probably just want to say something right up front. Many people think that the rosary was an actual physical gift from Mary in an apparition to St. Dominic. Well, there is a tradition that Dominic received a rosary, but it was a rosary. The practice of the rosary had already been in, around for some time. The tradition of the rosary began with, you know, everybody remembers monks. Monks and nuns were in monasteries and convents. And every three hours, they would assemble back in the chapel and they would pray three psalms and usually sing them, that beautiful Gregorian chant. And the whole idea was to come every three hours because you were never more than three hours away from another from a time of prayer. So you would make the day holy. That was the idea. Amen. But they were reading in Latin. They were having these big books, and they were reading the musical chant notes. Not everybody could do that, and certainly the people in the town, the villages, couldn't do that very well. They, didn't, they were either illiterate, or they couldn't uh, read music, or like me, couldn't sing at all. <laughs> uh, so... What they did is they said, but we like that experience. We like that idea of every three hours coming together to pray, that chanting, that rhythmic chanting back and forth. So what they did is they took, you know, there's 150 psalms that the monks would sing. So the village people would take a piece of rope and put 150 knots on them. Mm -hmm. They couldn't read, but they could memorize an Our Father and a Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. So they used those instead. And after a while, they would... 150 is kind of a lot to do at once, so they would, it slowly got broken up into three sets instead of altogether 150. And then remarkably, and this is, a lot of people don't know this, but instead of a, a knotted rope, they would take crushed rose petals. Oh, interesting. And make a bead and connect that to the, to the rope. And so it had the fragrance of a rose. And we have rosaries that have fragrance of, of roses. Well, right? And that's where the name comes from. I see. Rosary. Oh, interesting. The rosary comes from the fact that the beads were actually made of crushed rose petals because rose petals, the rose flower, was always associated with Mary. Oh, praise the Lord. And why is the rosary so important? I think you have to be called to pray the rosary. I, I, you know, it's an optional prayer. It's not required. Mm -hmm. um, if, you're, if you're not praying the rosary... You know, you're not less a Catholic. 
mm-hmm. right? But if you feel a sense of it, or if you just want to try it out, that's one of the reasons why Rocky, uh, Father Rocky, had the rosary on the radio, because he thought that people who have never had any experience of the rosary whatsoever would never have a chance to ever hear it, could be led by someone in the family to say, well, just listen to the rosary on Monday night just to see. So if you have that calling, it's a very beautiful calling, but it's also meant, really it is meant as a meditation device. Okay. It really is meant to be a quiet... See, if you're doing something repetitive, it kind of occupies the surface thoughts of your mind mm-hmm. so that your mind is then free to think of deeper things. You know how people will say, I come up with my best insights when I'm driving. Right. Because why is that? Or if I'm walking. Mm-hmm. If I'm driving or walking, these are repetitive actions that you're not really thinking about. Your surface mind is you know, t- telling you to turn right or turn left. And then your mind can go deeper into in, and get deeper insights. So that's what the rosary does. You're occupied by Hail Marys and Our Fathers that you're not, you can just do them by rote. Then you're, you're freer to think of deeper ideas. That's where the mysteries come in. They were developed by a Carthusian monk, Dominic of Prussia. Interestingly enough, I met St. Bruno. St. Bruno was the founder of the Carthusians. <laughs> Interesting. Remarkable coincidence. God puts everything together. There you go. And uh, the Carthusians are a contemplative order. That's what they do is they just, they contemplate scripture and our faith so the rosary became a beautiful device or a technique to say beautiful, rhythmic, Our Fathers and Hail Marys, and then you can meditate more deeply on these famous events of the life of Christ, the joyful events, the glorious and the sorrowful, and now the luminous that Pope John Paul II developed. Or you can think about anything. You can think about something going on in your family. You can contemplate, uh, remember... It's common to have a rosary sometimes as a, at a vigil service uh, prior to a funeral, in which we're contemplating life and death and resurrection in the, in the life of the deceased. It's a way of spending some time in contemplation for the whole purpose of having a deeper faith and growing in it and maybe discovering new insights. Would you agree with me that if you truly don't have a calling for the rosary but want to, and you pray and ask the Lord for that gift of having this desire to pray the rosary or learning how to pray the rosary in a way that's really devotional, that God will give you that gift. I would hope so. I'm not going to speak for God. Yes, you know, yes. I'm not going to predict what he will do for one person or the other, but I hope he would because, and you know, actually, I think that's been happening because I think in the 60s and 70s, I mean, I was, I was in the seminary during that time and the rosary was really pretty much on the way out. Mm-hmm. Very few people prayed the rosary. It was kind of associated with pre-Vatican II, church right, and whatnot. Right. Those days are over. I mean, the rosary is very, very popular now. Um, I see it amongst young people, people of all ages. Look at the popularity of the family rosary across America. It's, it's going well. So uh, God has his seasons. And, um, you know, we sometimes might have said, well, we're not going to do that anymore. God has put that spirit, that inspiration in people, and the rosary is popular now as ever been. And Mary is our intercessor and is interceding for us when we pray the rosary, correct? I would say it's the main intercessor. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the rosary is pretty well associated with Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, it's designed to help us to grow closer to Christ. So she is interceding for us to the Father in heaven to help us to grow closer to our Lord. So tell us about the prayers of the rosary and, and maybe the origin of that. Well, the Our Father, of course, comes from our Lord. A couple of versions of it in the scriptures. One is not exactly the same as the other, but so the church is kind of 
melded them together into the Our Father. The Hail Mary is uh, is kind of an assembled prayer as well. Uh, the first part, most of it is scriptural. I think uh, it was St. Peter Canisius that came up with the last part, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. But most of it is Scripture, taking passages from Scripture, Hail Mary, full of grace, the angel and Elizabeth's greeting to Mary. So it's an assembled prayer from the deepest sources of our faith, especially Scripture. And of course, the Our Father, you cannot have a better author of any prayer than our Lord himself. Now, one of the most important things, my brothers and sisters, is to learn how to pray, pray fervently and pray, if you can, that holy hour of which a rosary could be an important part of it. And tell us about prayer in general, Father, as it relates to so many people struggle with prayer and they, they, oh, you know, I, I try and pray for about 15 seconds and then my mind wanders and so forth. But tell us about the, the power of prayer in general. You know, I, I think what happens is people make it a little bit too complicated or they make it more difficult than it really needs to be. Prayer is is just simply talking to God. Yes, right. yes. Now, sometimes it can be sublime. Sometimes it can be exalted. Sometimes it can be very casual. Mm-hmm. All of them are good. Our Lord likes to hear from us no matter what. So it may be exalted. You may be using someone else's words, like the Hail Mary or even the Our Father. You may be using uh, prayers that somebody else has composed. Uh, you may be just listening to someone else pray like we do at Mass. Um, that's fine. But don't neglect just your own talking. And there is no such thing as an inappropriate topic. Praise the Lord. There is and, no and such thing as an inappropriate topic. So what I often say about distractions when people say they're distracted, I'll say, don't fight them. Go with them. Go mm-hmm. with the distraction. Interesting. So if you're in church and I'm going to pray and you start kind of praying what you think you're supposed to be praying, uh, sometimes the distractions are your own self saying you should be praying about this interesting you know so pray you know if you're thinking about your job or your work or how am i going to get home or the traffic pray about that talk to god about that i think the best way to pray is when paul talks about unceasing prayer this goes back a long time this is a long tradition unceasing prayer meaning during your entire day just imagine that our lord is walking beside you and just comment on everything that you see to him about what's going on. Dear Lord, I'm about to go into the grocery store. I hope all goes well. Uh, you know, so you have... he's our best friend, right? You have a constant companion with you that you are talking about your life with. You're driving in the car, you can carry it, and no one's next to you, and you have this conversation, or you're at home, and people say, I talk to myself all the time, but yeah. you, know, you can talk to the Lord, and the Lord is our best friend, and it's so important. But it's also one of the things you touched on, which is really critical, and that's honesty. Be honest with the Lord about where you are. I mean, there are times I say, you know, I just don't feel like praying right now. or I don't feel like going to church. or I don't feel like doing this, that, or whatever. Or why is this happening to me? I do all this, and, and this is how I'm rewarded type thing, you know. And But to be honest, you take a look at Psalms. I mean, Psalms is a big part about honesty. There are a lot of Psalms praising God, and most of them are praising God. But some of them are saying, why have you abandoned me? Why, why is this happening to me? And that's also a good, great prayer. That is a magnificent prayer. And, and you know, sometimes the thing, something is happening right now in which your understanding of it may not happen, may not come until tomorrow. 
yes. or the next week yes. or years from now. Yes. I mean, I remember learning things in school when I was a kid that I said, you know, what am I learning this for? But then it becomes useful at some later point. So, you know, Jesus is on the cross wondering, why is this happening to me? And yet, because it did, salvation came to the world. Exactly. And that's, you know, you take a look at pray without ceasing, found in First Thessalonians 5 and 16 to 18, talks about pray without ceasing, rejoice always, in all circumstances, give thanks for this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. We don't know why things are happening to us. And in fact, again, in Isaiah, it says, as high as the heavens above the earth are my ways above your ways. Oh, yes. Deacon Steve, what a great reminder of God's passionate love for you and for me. That's a wrap for part one of our dynamic discussion with Father Dave Heaney, talking about our Blessed Mother. Part two of this podcast falls into the you don't want to miss this category as Father Dave tells us about a top secret certified letter he received from the Vatican that had impact of saintly implications. In other words, it was very, very important. Friend, if this message has impacted your heart, then by all means, please do share so that others may benefit also. For more info on our ministry, check out the website, spiritfilledhearts.org, spiritfilledhearts.org. We'll see you again next time with Deacon Steve Greco and the team. This podcast is a ministry of Spirit Filled Media. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.